I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol will be in order. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy. And ultimately, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. So on Thursday evening, the House's January 6th panel opened its investigation. And and I wanted to take the opportunity to go back to the interviews that we did both on the day of January 6th and also a week later. Uh, because I think two years on, uh, they take on that much more resonance. Uh, the the first is with a photographer uh, who was in the stairwell, like in the, like right in the right in the scrum, uh, blinded by tear gas, but kept his kept his camera going. Uh, incredibly courageous uh, performance on on the job that day. Uh, he's a he's he was working on behalf of the the independent media organization Status Code. His his name is John Farina. We'll play his interview. I also interviewed my former Huffington Post colleague uh, Matt Fuller, who had been uh, escorted out of the House gallery and crammed into a secure room with a, a bunch of members of Congress and other reporters who had you know no idea what was going on outside that room. He spoke to us uh, from there. And then I also want to play our conversation with Pramila Jayapal, who was in the House gallery uh, as things broke through. She had recently had knee surgery and was mostly immobilized. She talks about having the doors locked behind them and hearing the protesters outside of them, you know, uh, wondering if she was going to have to use her cane to, you know, kind of wield her way out of there. And so first, here's John Farina. I call on President Trump to go on national television now and demand an end to this siege. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing. To storm the Capitol, threatening the safety of duly elected officials, it's not protest. It's insurrection. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede with this theft involved. At 2.18 Wednesday afternoon, Capitol Police sent out an ominous warning to congressional staffers and members of Congress. It read, internal security threat, move inside office, lock doors, seek cover, and remain silent. Up on the steps of the backside of the Capitol, we're seeing protesters overcome the police. The police are now running back into the Capitol building. We have cheers from the protesters that are watching behind the scenes. This is incredible. The warning was a bit late. Protesters were already at the door of the congressional staffer who sent me an image of the text alert. You guys did this to us. We want our country back. We are protesting for our freedom right now. They work for us. They don't get to steal it from us. About an hour earlier, Trump supporters, intent on stopping Joe Biden from being president, had smashed into the United States Capitol and the surrounding offices, unleashing violence across the complex. One woman was shot and killed by Capitol Police. Inside the chamber itself, there was chaos. Agents hastily blocking the doors with furniture to keep the protesters out. Officers ready to open fire as a last resort. The fallout from this assault, which is ongoing as we record this, will be unfolding for a very long time. There will be plenty of time in the days, weeks, and months ahead to talk about what this all means. But for today, we want to talk about what happened. Uh, We were just told that there has been tear gas in the rotunda and we're being instructed 
uh, to each of us get uh, gas masks that are under our seats. On Wednesday afternoon, a handful of Capitol Hill reporters caught in the melee were shepherded to a secure location along with about 200 members of Congress as the insurrectionists breached the gates. One of them was Matt Fuller, a friend and a former longtime colleague of mine back when I was at the Huffington Post. He spoke to me from that secure location in the Capitol complex. Matt was in the press gallery overlooking the House floor as the mob tried to smash its way in. His beat the last decade has been the far right wing of the House Republican Conference, known as the Freedom Caucus, which is inextricably linked with this violence and was also, it turns out, sheltered in place with Matt. But first, we talk with John Farina, who was shooting camera footage of a rally earlier in the day, as well as the assault on the Capitol for the independent media organization Status Coup. John, so how did this start this morning? Well, uh, they they were having a, I believe it was called Save America rally inside the ellipse, which is between the Washington Monument and the White House. Now, in the ellipse, they mm-hmm. had few speakers, Eric Trump, then Donald Trump went up, and I'm not sure who else, who else spoke. But I had left a, a few minutes early to walk down to the Capitol because that's where they were going to all march to after Trump had, uh, had finished his speech. But there were people there already, so I, I made my way over there, and uh, I started doing a couple of interviews, and then all of a sudden I heard, yes, they're in. Like I, heard, I started hearing cheering, and I looked behind me, and they started walking. Uh, they had breached the, uh, the fence um, to the grounds of the Capitol. So then everybody just started like flowing into the, the, the grass and, and walking up to the steps. Uh, police were, you know, at that point they were very calm. They were like, Hey, you know, you can't do this back up. And then they just couldn't, they couldn't, uh, control the crowd. It was just way too many people. I saw some of your footage and it, it looked like for a while, the police were managing to hold them off using those kind of, uh, short metal fences and it all kind of bracing them and pushing back. What allowed the insurrectionists to finally get through? Well, once they were on the, on the Capitol grounds, the police had the barricades set up, but, you know, the, the protesters just kept grabbing the, the barriers and, and pulling it towards them. So they had kind of had like a tug of war match. And at that point, they just they just could not control the, the crowd. Mm-hmm. Tear gas, uh, pepper bullets were shot at, pepper spray. Uh, both sides were pep- uh, macing each other. Hmm. So the protesters were macing the cops. Cops were macing them. And it was just... Back and forth clashes. What were the protesters saying to the cops? You know, they were just saying, we're here for you. You know, come join us. Uh, we're on your side. Uh, you know, how could you do this to us? Um, they were saying, oh, we're, you know, the criminals are inside the building. We're not the, we're not the criminals. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, uh, I don't know, can I, can I curse or? Go for it. Yeah. So they were just, uh. You know, they're screaming, uh, fuck you, fuck the police, you know, that kinds of stuff, you know, stuff that, you know, normally they would be the, you know, the back to blue uh, crowd, but they were just like, they didn't care at that point. They they saw them as that was their, um, you know, they were their enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I mean, there's sort of a few other things. There were, there were so many things. I, I just, I have to go back to the footage. Right. Did the police try to engage or de-escalate, or were they just kind of stoically kind of holding the railing? Yeah, no, they, they, I mean, the police tried to de-escalate it, but the the crowd just keep kept pushing up mm-hmm. against them. And, you know, as much as they were shooting them with the, like I said, the pepper balls and the tear gas and uh, the the flash grenades that were going the flashbangs that were going off mm-hmm. you know the the crowd wasn't it was they weren't phased by it they were they were actually enjoying it for the most part did did you follow them in to the capitol or up up the steps yeah i did actually i followed them all the way up to the step all the way up to the steps inside a little corridor where uh it was it was completely hectic you know the protesters they would they actually got their the the police shields and they were they were using the shields against them mm. They were oh, wow. taking, you know, taking whatever they could from the cops, uh, the mace, the um, they had their batons, they had their shields, and they were using their stuff against them to try and push into the further into the capital. Right. What were the police doing at that point when they were stealing their mace and their their clubs and their shields? They were they were 
calling in reinforcements and, and mm-hmm. just kept battling out with them. And there were moments where they would stop and it would be calm and they would look at each other. Like the police wouldn't arrest them. They would just look at them and be like, hey, let's you know chill out. And they would try and talk it out. But then there would come another wave and, and they would try and push their way in. I saw a few arrests, but not as many as I thought that there would be. Oh, so they did arrest a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, there were a uh, few arrests. What would get somebody arrested? Like trying to punch a cop or like... Like in the... Uh, yeah, I mean, people were... Atta- they were attacking the cops, like hitting them with, with whatever weapons they had. Uh, so any mm-hmm. chance that the, the police had an opportunity to just grab somebody and pull them in, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean... Gotcha. Yeah, it was it was wild. <laughs> How'd you finally get out of there? Was it was it hard to get out of there or was did you have to go through a crowd? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to push through a crowd and, and work my way out. But at that point, I mean, I, I couldn't see anything. My my face is still burning up, my, my eyes. So I had to just kind of like feel my way out. And then people, you know, people outside the outside the building kind of helped me out. They, they gave me water and stuff like that. You've covered a lot of right-wing violence, uh, right-wing demonstrations. Was Was there something significantly different about this one or was it just the same but in in degree it was more violent um and more aggressive and bigger well they're very emotional about this and i think the emotions Mm -hmm. took over and but this has been building up because they see this as their last stand like this Mm is this was it yeah i think i think just because that this is like the final like the final countdown till you know they lose their guy and they wanted to make a statement did did any of them have an end game like, did you ask them what the ultimate goal was? So you storm the Capitol, okay, and then what? I, I did not get to ask anybody that. <laughs> I, sure. I wish I'd, I mean, I did I did ask a few people before the, the whole Capitol, you know, before that whole thing. I, you know, when I was interviewing people at the Washington Monument, I was kind of asking them. So uh, if, you know, if Biden wins and Trump's out, you know, what, what happens from here? And they said, uh, some of them said uh, civil war. But others said, you know what, I, I can't tell you. I, I have no idea. I, hmm. they, they were just like, I think it's going to be bad. Well, they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. <laughs> well, uh, John, thanks so much for uh, sharing that with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That was John Farina of Status Coup. Matt Fuller from HuffPost spoke to me Wednesday afternoon while still locked down with members of Congress and walked me through the moment when he first got word that the building had been breached. Well, uh, we kind of got an an early indication that they might be locking down the chamber, that there was a sort of a breach or something like that. And uh, luckily I had a a gallery member say, hey, you might want to go to the bathroom because they're going to be locking this down pretty shortly. So I went to the bathroom, came back, and about a minute later... You saw cops running to each door and uh, locking the doors really quickly. Uh, So they were clearly locking us in the chamber. We were in the chamber for a while, and everyone was just sort of tense, not sure what was going on, but we obviously assumed that some protesters had gotten through. You know, at some point, they started banging on the doors, and (laughs) it was clear that they were right outside of the, the chamber. So they started barricading things. We don't know at this point if it was gunshots. Everyone thought it was it was gunshots, and we heard an officer say "gun," but some of the, the glass popped out, seeming like seemingly like a gun. I thought I heard sounded like a gun to me at least um, of the door right to the chamber, and then officers had their guns drawn. It was a pretty tense situation. One member tried to talk to the protesters, and it seemed to be going okay, but then they sort of made a decision to move everyone who was remaining in the in the chamber. And at that point, it was pretty limited. They already um, evacuated most people on the floor and most people in the gallery. And it just so happened I was in sort of a far corner where I was one of the last people evacuated just because of, you know, the distance. And when they started popping out the the glass, uh, you know, there was like three or four of us who were kind of coming and we just kind of hit the ground and watched the whole scene unfold. And so don't, don't tell me where they, where they took you, because uh, I understand, you know, it's an undisclosed location. This situation is not yeah. resolved yet. Um, but I, I, they, they, so they moved you with a bunch of members of Congress and staff all together. Like, how did, how did, that, how did that happen? 
That's right. We were with the, about the final group of members who were moving, and I'd say there was about, I don't know, 10 or 20 of us, and they moved us through the Capitol. I'm not going to say right. where, but uh, we moved quite a distance, and then we're in a room now, a larger room, with, I'd say, maybe between 100 and 200 members, or, or not just members. I mean, it's a mix of four staff, and there's a few press here, uh, some staff, but it's predominantly members, and there's, you know, a decent police presence here, um, but we've been, I don't, I don't know how long we've been in this room now, probably a couple hours now. Um, we keep on getting updates that, yeah, you know, they're, they're going to let us out any minute, 30 mm-hmm. minutes, an hour, and they keep on saying, well, we still haven't cleared the Capitol yet. There's still protesters there. What's the conversation been like among the members in the room? Uh, you know, I, I think this is a, a kind of an interesting moment. I've had actually a couple conversations um, with some members too, uh, some members who have been sort of involved in this and i think it, it is for some people a little bit of a kind of a come to jesus moment you know not to reveal too much but i did see one member who was involved in this texting to one of the staff members i'm sickened by this mm-hmm. um and you know i think that there's been a lot of republicans who have been complicit uh for political reasons and they're they've just sort of made peace with this is something we have to do and you know obviously that's not the truth but it's sort of the, the truth that they're living by and then you see this and they think, you know, what have we done? How, how did we get to this moment where, you know, people are, it's basically an insurrection. I mean, people are storming down the Capitol, and, mm-hmm. you know, banging through the doors. And it's a, it's a, a violent insurrection. That's the best way I could put it. And for, for people who don't know, you know, Matt Fuller is kind of the leading reporter of the far right wing of the House Republicans over, over the years. You've been watching the, you know, the Freedom Caucus develop over the years. You know, a lot of those members. You know, did you ever see this coming, or do you think they saw this coming? I think, you know, for, for, for one, an interesting, an interesting development here is uh, a lot of those members, the, you know, the leaders of this movement are here in this room right now, mm-hmm. and it's a split between Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans. They've been talking, I can see them talking right now, actually, but yeah, I think that they knew this was always a possibility. This is where the rhetoric is leading. And, you know, let's face it, if you're telling, you know, your voters that this election was stolen that this you know democrats are breaking the law and like they're installing a, a president illegally i mean this is sort of a natural conclusion right I, th- I think that people are genuinely mad and so many people have been lied to for so long they're operating by just a totally alternate reality the truth is a lot of those members you know those far right leaders they believe it themselves they're right in that same boat at this point hmm. you know there, there's a lot of other ones who are sort of on the fringe who don't quite believe it but you know, see the, I guess, the utility of continuing to do this. So it's, it's definitely an, a, a weird moment here for them. And I think it's one where they can, you know, the reaping and sowing meme, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh no, what happened? I'm sowing all the stuff I've been reaping. Right. Did you talk to any of the protesters? I did on my way in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I live very close to the Capitol and, um, you know, I had some people ask me, you know, can I park here and this or that? And, uh, you know, they were unfamiliar. Can I park here for my insurrection? <laughs> yeah, and it was it was almost always like, uh, you're gonna get, you're, you'll get a ticket, but you might not get towed. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I remember hearing that Pinochet, on his way to the palace, when he performed his coup, uh, those tanks stopped at red lights, which was a very kind of Chile. It was like very Chilean thing. <laughs> And it's kind of a very American thing that they're worried about parking tickets. And I also saw that some, exactly. like a lot of them were stay, staying within the red velvet ropes. Right, right. When they're walk, walking through Statuary Hall. Exactly, exactly right. I have that exact feeling. I mean, it's like they still want to operate within society. You know, I saw some people wearing masks. <laughs> it's, it's just sort of an incredible moment. And then to, you know, watch these same people storm the Capitol. At some point, they made the decision that the House floor was going to get breached or was not safe anymore uh which i you know i've always sort of lived under the assumption that the house floor is the safest place you can be it's like hermetically sealed has its own oxygen supply mm-hmm. but you know at some point they were telling us get the gas mask from under your chair they gave us in the gallery gas mask or the with the escape hoods and it was sort of like you know you might be waiting through tear gas in a moment here so mm-hmm. you know we're stuck in this room and we don't really know what's going on we're, we see reports on twitter of the FBI SWAT team, we've heard that the National Guard is coming, or Virginia National Guard's coming. You know, we don't know. It's it's just sort this of a, I think so. Uh, it just says a you know member passed last where the bathroom is. Right, <laughs> <laughs> got to pee in the corner. It's 
it's a crazy moment here. You know, like like you said, this is the logical endpoint of all of this, but at the same time, it's so hard to have imagined it coming to this. Yeah, I, I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where people break through the Capitol and like, you know, true sort of pandemonium um, on the House floor. And it happened so quickly. I mean, I just, it was clear that the police weren't ready for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they certainly weren't, you know, <laughs> it was not like a shoot to kill situation, uh, which thankfully, like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I, I know that there have been some people injured and there apparently was a woman who was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly could have been a lot worse than this, that, you know, if the police just immediately reacted to more violence, that definitely would have been the situation. Well, I hope they get you out of there pretty soon. Um, thanks for taking a moment for people who don't know Matt Fuller, reporter at the, at the Huffington Post. Uh, he had a good joke on Twitter. Uh, he said, that, well, this wasn't in my pre-write. Uh, so I hope that you're getting back to your uh, your copy because you've got a little you got a few paragraphs you're going to have to add to it. Yeah, yeah, I think I ha- I'll have some time though. Great. Well, Matt Fuller, thanks so much for taking some time out of your uh, sheltering in place to to join us on Deconstructed. Of course, uh, pleasure talking to you always, Ryan. increasing number of Democrats are already calling for Trump's immediate impeachment and removal, a step that would prevent him from pardoning those who stormed the Capitol, prevent whatever else he might be planning. Check out our last show on his designs on Iran for more on that. And would make future presidents think twice before inciting insurrection after the loss of an election. Twitter, meanwhile, has temporarily locked his account. A boon, no doubt, to the right-wing media ecosystem that fueled today's insanity. The Capitol, as we record this, has been cleared. And Matt tells me he has returned to the press gallery, where he's watching what should have been a perfunctory electoral college ceremony stumble toward its conclusion over the continued objection of Republican after Republican after Republican. I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. One Republican, however, often Trump's favorite in the Senate, did not object. And that was South Carolina's Lindsey Graham. Uh, Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. Oh my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. I've tried to be helpful. But when the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled four to three that they didn't violate the Supreme, uh, the Constitution of Wisconsin, I agree with the three, but I accept the four. If Al Gore could accept five, four, he's not president. I can accept Wisconsin four to three. They said there's 66,000 people in Georgia under 18 voted. How many people believe that? I asked, give me 10. And I had one. They said 8,000 felons in prison in Arizona voted. Give me 10. I hadn't gotten one. I don't buy this. Enough's enough we got to end it. To the conservatives who believe in the Constitution, now's your chance to stand up and be counted. I cannot convince people, certain groups, by my words, but I will tell you by my actions, that maybe I, among any, above all others in this body, need to say this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are lawfully elected and will become the president and the Vice President of the United States on January the 20th. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In the early afternoon of January 6th, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal was in the gallery of the House of Representatives. She was watching the effort by Republicans to block certification of Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Sport. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. She was there in the gallery because COVID restrictions limit the number of representatives that can be on the floor at any one time. And so it was from up there that she saw all hell break loose. Jayapal represents Seattle, Washington, and is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She's also our guest on the show today. She was supposed to be our guest for last week's episode, which was going to be about the path from here to eventual passage of Medicare for All. Instead, we posted a rather unplanned episode called Inside the Insurrection, which you should go back and listen to if you haven't. Jayapal, like reporter Matt Fuller in our last episode, made it from the gallery to a secure area to wait out the assault. And while the room proved in the end to be secure from violence, it wasn't safe from maskless Republicans or from COVID. Three Democratic members of Congress have now tested positive for COVID-19 after being confined in the same room for hours alongside Republican members of Congress who refused their requests, even in that room, to put on masks. Congressman Brad Schneider of Illinois, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington, who's the chair of the Progressive Caucus, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, who's 75 years old, Jayapal put out a statement saying this. Many Republicans still refused to take the bare minimum COVID-19 precaution and simply wear a damn mask in a crowded room during a pandemic, creating a super spreader event on top of a domestic terrorist attack. She also called it, quote, selfish idiocy. But she agreed to join us today anyway to discuss the events of last Wednesday, how she is handling her diagnosis and hopeful recovery, and what all of this means for the progressive agenda over the next few weeks and months. Hey there. Hey, Congresswoman Jayapal, how are you? I am okay. How are you? But better than you. <laughs> I mean, how are, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much better today. The first three days were kind of rough, but I definitely started feeling better um, this morning. So the fever's gone, the chills are gone. Now it's just like a big stuffy head, you know, sort of more like a regular cold. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I gather you had tested negative right before this. That's right. I, I got tested on Tuesday afternoon and I tested negative that night. I got the result and I had also tested negative five days before that because I, I had gotten tested before I flew into D.C. And that test was also negative. So I've regularly been testing negative until I went to the super spreader event that I was forced into. Can you walk us through Wednesday morning uh, to the moment you saw those rioters trying to smash their way onto the House floor? Well, I got to the Capitol early at quarter to nine because we had been told that there would be what was being described to us as protests at that time. As Congress gets ready to certify President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the Electoral College today, Washington, D.C. is bracing for massive protests. But also we understood that there was a regular, mm -hmm. you know, it was not a regular event, that there were real security threats because we were being asked to get there 
several hours before the proceedings were to start, and we had been told to be on alert by Capitol Police. The National Guard has been deployed as President Trump is expected to address a rally of his supporters later on today. And so when I got to the chamber just before one o'clock, there were limited numbers of people who were allowed on the main floor of the House and then in the gallery, just one level above because of COVID. And so I was one of the people that was allowed into the gallery. So I was sitting there with maybe a dozen other members. And at 125, my chief sent me a text saying, evacuating cannon. We were all getting the messages on social media in the minutes before that. And we didn't understand why nobody was reacting because it seemed like there was an enormous mob outside. Mm -hmm. And yet we were still there. But, you know, we had this strange, now what I realize is misplaced faith that we were going to be safe. You know, at 128, mm-hmm. I texted my husband and said, this is seriously crazy. Police have been breached. Chaos is going to break out and violence too. There's an armed standoff at the house front door. Police officers have their guns drawn. Hopefully this gets resolved peacefully, but police are overrun by these protesters and asked for reinforcements to deal with this situation that is escalating and going out of control here, guys. That was at 128. He, you know, asked me if I should come back to the Mm -hmm. office. He said, maybe you should just come back to the office right now. But I had had knee surgery and the trains weren't running between the Capitol and the other buildings. And so the idea of like Mm -hmm. trying to make my way back to the office didn't seem safe either. And so I said, no, I'm in the safest place I could possibly be. I'm with the Speaker of the House. I'm on the House floor, Mm -hmm. you know, the House... Uh, gallery. And of course, there's going to be lots of Capitol Police that are going to prevent any harm from coming to us. And that, of course, turned out to not be true at all. And so it was 217 when they locked us in and they had just taken out Speaker Pelosi and, and Majority Leader Hoyer. And, you know, our alarm bells were ringing. At some point before that, Abigail Spanberger showed me a picture of flexicuff man in the Senate. So that had already happened. Eric Munchell of Tennessee, who law enforcement officials say appears to be the man here carrying plastic restraints, prompting questions about whether they intended to take hostages. Nancy and Steny at 217. At 218, I texted, they are on the steps of the Capitol. And at 219, I said, we're recessing, but we can't leave. Hmm. And at 2.21, I said the Capitol has been breached. So it was just all happening so fast. And we could hear all of the noise because the gallery is quite shallow. You know, it's maybe 10 to 15 feet at the most from Mm -hmm. the banister that overlooks the House floor to the doors that go directly out into the corridor. And there were rioters starting to pound on the door. We were told to move for some reason. Hmm. And because of my knee surgery, I had a cane. And so I was completely focused on how am I going to get under the banisters with this cane, with a knee I can't bend. There is absolute chaos right now. The United States Capitol building uh, has been breached. We heard from lawmakers who were initially in lockdown and then being told to put on gas masks, uh, trying to get out of the Capitol building. Did you think they were going to get in? I really did, because... By the time we were down on the floor, they were banging, there were people banging on the doors. And unlike the main floor of the chamber, not only were we very close, but there's no movable furniture there. They're all seats that are mm-hmm. nailed in. And so all we had between us and the rioters were, and we didn't know if they were armed, you know, we didn't know who they were, was a few Capitol mm-hmm. Police officers. But they seemed somewhat confused themselves. They were yelling to each other about who has the key before they were able to close all the doors. And they didn't really seem to be in communication with anyone else. And so we just had no idea if anyone was going to know that we were there and come and get us. All the other members had been taken off the main floor of the chamber by then, and we were still stuck there. And so, yes, there was a very real fear that these people who were pounding on the doors, maybe just 15 feet from us, we're going to get in and that we would not make it out. How did you make it out? Well, at some 
point, after they started pounding and the Capitol Police officers were saying, identify yourselves, identify yourselves, because we weren't sure how we were ever going to know it was safe to go out. Somebody must have identified himself as a Capitol Police officer, and they opened the doors, and then they ushered us out. And we were right near the big staircase going downstairs. And just on the other side of the staircase, so maybe five feet away from us, were these rioters, insurrectionists, I don't know what we want to call them, um, mm-hmm. down on the floor, about five five of them maybe, down on the floor, mm-hmm. spread eagled on their bellies with their hands over their heads, and Capitol Police officers around them, guns drawn on them. Right. And those were the people that had been trying to get in to the into where we were, we were just told to go down. There was no police officer with us. There was nobody with us, nobody telling us where to go um, Hmm. other than go down the steps. And I know for me, you know, the big thing for me was I I can't do steps. I I haven't been doing steps with my knee. And so Mikey Sherrill saw, saw that and saw me with my cane and said, do you want help? I can stand on your other side. And I said, yeah, and just took a giant deep breath. And then basically tried to cantilever myself down with, you know, one Mm -hmm. hand on the railing, one hand on Mikey and using my right leg as much as I could to go down what I think was about six flights of stairs to go down into the sub basement where the tunnel is to the other buildings. But we got into the tunnel. There was still no Capitol police officers with us. So we, we were just told to go to one of the other buildings that was supposed to be a secure location. So we started to head in that direction and went through the tunnel, no, nobody guiding us, nobody looking out for our safety. Hmm. Um, and then we saw some Capitol Police coming the other direction, and they told us which room to go to, which was a different room than we had originally been told. And we, you know, eventually made our way there. And by the time we got there, I think we were among the last people to enter the room because it was packed. And the minute I walked mm-hmm. in there, I thought, I'm going to get COVID. There's just no way. This is a super spreader event. There were over a hundred people there, but there was no, you know, there were no choices in that moment. So that's what we did. When you were on the the gallery and the people were banging on the door, were were people looking around for weapons they could use to defend themselves? Was your, was your cane kind of identified as well? Yes, I definitely. Oh yeah. I identified my cane. I mean, I had it the the challenge was I was holding a gas mask in one, in my right hand, mm-hmm. but I had my cane in my left hand. It was sort of propped on my leg. The gas mask was another weapon potentially mm-hmm. because it's actually very heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of figured that between the gas mask and the cane, and I'm right-handed that I would start by, um, you know, flinging the gas mask and then I would be able to pick up the cane with, with my right hand and, you know, mm-hmm. use the cane. But, I mean, these are all split second thoughts that were going through my right. head. Like, what are we going to do? So you were going to go down swinging. Oh, for sure. So you're, you found yourself in this committee room packed. And this is the area that has since become famous for a lot of Republicans refusing to wear masks. Did you try to get as far away as you could? What, like, what was your, what was your move in there? And did people think that you were safe yet? Or were you still curious if there would be a breach at that location. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think any of us knew we were safe. And there was one point at which somebody was live streaming with Mm -hmm. press from Mm -hmm. that room, which there was an announcement immediately to stop doing that because you can tell from the surroundings, the background, which room it is. Somebody knows the Capitol. Right. So there was definitely fear that we still weren't safe. And my first thought was, I have to sit down. I mean, my knee was killing me. It was probably five times as big as it should have been. And so I went and found a place that was as distant from other people as possible, but a chair. And it was, you know, behind the first row at the end. Right. The, the rows are where the members sit, you know, it was a hearing room. So I, I was on the on the lowest level near the end where I figured at least there was nobody right next to me. And, you know, elevating my leg and asking if anybody had a cold pack or ice that I could put on it. And somebody got me some ice. And then I was just sitting there with my leg elevated and hoping nobody came close to talk to me. But, you know, it's just not that it's just not possible to stay really far apart. So 
I was better than some of the other members who were still trying to process and talking to each other and milling about each other because there wasn't any room to not do that. You know, in some ways I was probably more distanced Mm -hmm. than other people were just because I couldn't move. And so coincidentally, while all of this was going on, the press declares that John Ossoff has won in Georgia. Yes. You know, which flips control yeah. of the Senate to Democrats. And so combining his win and Democrats taking the Senate with this insurrection that was repelled, has that, how has that kind of changed Democrats psychologically and in terms of their like political calculations about how aggressive they're, they're going to be with their agenda going forward? Or... Or is, is it is it is it wrong to kind of link the two? No, I definitely think that we're not very good as a progressive movement in general about celebrating our victories. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there was this like when we win Georgia, we're all really gonna celebrate. And I even remember thinking we're gonna win Georgia in the midst of them challenging the electoral college vote. Mm-hmm. And how sweet is that gonna be to both win the Senate? and defeat them on the Electoral College vote and certify Joe Biden as the next president. Of course, we just didn't get to do that in real time. So there was celebration about Georgia in that room. There were, Hmm. you know, we were talking to each other about, I mean, it was both Republicans and Democrats, but with Democrats, we were talking to each other about just trying to hang on to every piece of good news. And it was significant, obviously. And so there was that. And then there was also, I think, in the days since January 6th, there has been an enormous amount of unity about the threat that faces us from these people who are really unhinged. I mean, refusing to wear masks and also refusing to go through metal detectors and then continuing, worst of all, continuing to support these insurrectionists and calling them loyal patriots. And then, of course, all the reports that show that some of them were likely involved in planning and executing the attack, Mm -hmm. including yours was the first piece I saw Mm -hmm. with that clearly reported. And so I think that all of that, you could see the effect of all of that in how quickly we moved to impeachment. Right. There was not the resistance to it this time. There was a little bit of initial, a couple of members, but even you know, people who had been very reticent the first time around were just clear, this has to happen. We have to do this. And I also think that this will take some time to figure out, but I do think that there's a different sensibility about racism. And it was so clearly on display. Mm -hmm. What we had seen during the summer that I pointed out to Bill Barr about, you know, Mm -hmm. these white nationalists, armed militia, storming the state capitol in Michigan, which I believe was a precursor to this. I mean, I think those were trial runs. And then the way that law enforcement treated them, as in ignored that whole thing and acted like there was nothing there, Bill Barr told me he didn't even know, Mm -hmm. which I don't believe is true, but that's what he said. And then, of course, the way that Black Lives Matter individuals who were demanding justice at the murder of yet another a black person at the hands of law enforcement during the summer. And those people were tear gassed and pepper sprayed and National Guard's troops lined up everywhere. And then this, where this Mm -hmm. wasn't even taken seriously as a threat in spite of all the things that we now know existed prior to January 6th, that somehow because these were white nationalists, proud boys, boogaloo boys, people who Chris Ray identified to us in Judiciary Committee during a hearing a year ago were the single biggest domestic terror threat to the United States Mm -hmm. for these white nationalist groups. And yet they weren't identified as a serious threat. There was no additional law enforcement there. Um, Now we're finding out more about National Guard not being called in, National Guard being delayed, all the different ways in which the intelligence was not shared or assessed. Who knows which pieces of these are going to be true in the end, but they were not taken seriously. And so I do think that there's a different understanding of race and some of the calls that I have been on, some of which are to process 
what happened. I created a text string called the gallery group. That is everybody that was in mm. the gallery and we've been mm. processing with each other and it's been pretty intense, both in person and on text. And I think that there is a different understanding of race. And for those of us who were people of color, several of us, when we were told to take off our member pins so that the insurrectionists couldn't identify us, we actually had to make a choice about whether we wanted to do that or keep them on because we weren't sure that Capitol Police would identify us as members if we took them off. Mm-hmm. So I kept mine on. Mondaire Jones kept his on. Right. And I think that that there has been discussion about that among us as members, not just progressives. I mean, this gallery group has people from across the caucus, Blue Dogs, Frontliners, and others. The other element of the next few weeks will be the stimulus. Joe Biden on Thursday night is going to unveil you know, what, what he's pushing for. Your Medicare for All co-sponsor on the Senate side, Bernie Sanders, has been pushing him to include significant elements of, of Medicare for All in that push, so, similar to what you were calling for the last time that, that we spoke. Uh, you know, how likely do you think it is? Like, How much leverage do you think you have at this point to be able to yeah. get some of those elements? I think it's lowering the Medicare age, raising it, like people 25 and under, and also for people who are unemployed to be able to get into some, some type of insurance, whether it's TRICARE or Medicare or something else. Well, I do believe that the crisis moment that we're in has just been elevated multiple times now. Mm-hmm. And I think that our narrow majorities in the House and the Senate mean that, of course, you know, it's challenging, but there is budget reconciliation in the Senate that can be used for a relief package. Those things have to be budget related, but we also got the PAYGO exemptions, which are more important now than ever before. Mm-hmm. So that things related to the pandemic, including healthcare, do not have to go through the pay-go point of order. And so I, I think that the reality of the crisis is maybe even more enormous. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, what we faced was an insurrection, but I still think that the need to get mm-hmm. relief to people and the need to sort of show that somebody's in charge and they're going to get relief is more important than ever. And so I hope Mm -hmm. that the fact that we won Georgia, the fact that black and brown and indigenous folks won Georgia for us, um, and, you know, and the reality of now controlling the House, the Senate, and the presidency, Mm -hmm. that has to be enough to say to Joe Biden, but to all of our Democrats, including some of our conservative Democrats, now we have to deliver. We have to deliver. And we have to show people that we've got their backs. And of course, there's the midterm elections looming in two years. But we have to show that we can deliver real relief to people across the economic, working people's economic spectrum, I should say, poor people and working people's economic spectrum. And so, you know, we're going to use every tool in our toolbox to do that. And we obviously got through some of the procedural reforms that we need in the House to be able to do that. But we're also going to have to work really closely together with Democrats in the Senate. I was just on an inside-outside strategy call with Bernie and our movement partners. And then also with our leadership and across the caucus. And some of the unity that has been building across the caucus with different parts of the caucus that perhaps never would be in this situation otherwise, sharing you know very personal things. I hope that helps us to really come together as Democrats and mm-hmm. maybe a good few Republicans, I don't know, but at least as Democrats, to really push for the boldest relief we can get. That is our job, and we have to get that done. And the, the other thing you and I talked about last time was that the CPC has the most leverage in situations where you're not going to get any Republican su- support. And you can hope, but I would suspect that on a, on a Biden stimulus, you know, you're likely to get pretty much universal opposition. They'll find things in it that they say, that's just a bridge too far. We'd love to bring relief to people, but we can't do X, Y, Z, you know, whatever thing is in it that they don't like. Do you think that'll be one of these moments of leverage? Or do you think that they're going to be able to kind of railroad you guys by saying, you know, if you don't vote for this, then people get nothing? I think that is a real challenge. Because the you saw what happened on the last COVID relief package. I mean, 
there was a group, bipartisan group of conservative Democrats and more liberal Republicans that got together and were crafting the the mm-hmm. scope of that package. And that could happen again, because I do think that there are a lot of people who believe we need to get serious COVID relief done. But my fear is that that group will hold sway on getting something through the Senate. Now, with 51 votes, and if we can use budget reconciliation, right, that gives us the ability to not need Republicans. So it really depends on if it's a pure budget reconciliation piece where I think we can get a lot of stuff done. But some of the things we want to do, you know, let's just say around immigration and offering green cards to frontline workers or, you know, those kinds of things, we're going to have to figure out what we can get through by budget reconciliation, which would only allow 51 votes versus things that will require a 60 vote majority in the Senate. Great. Well, Pramila Jayapal, thanks so much uh, for, for joining us and, and best of luck on your recovery. I know there's there's there can be a yo-yo effect, so, but I hope that you're headed out of the woods on this. Thank you so much, Ryan. I hope so too. I'm not going to let this virus stop me, but I know the reality of the course of it and we just have to wait and see, but hopefully all will be good. You know, the doctor called me this morning to say, I'm so glad you're doing better, but please know day seven Mm. is the real day. Day seven, eight, and nine is often where people get much worse. So I'm on day, just in the middle of day five, at the beginning of day five. So I got a few more days to Mm -hmm. make sure I get through this, but hopefully the fact that I don't have terrible symptoms now is a good sign. And we don't know what the long-term effects of these things are, even if you get through it, you know. Anyway, to that point, I should go rest. Yes, you should. Yes, you <laughs> so, should. Um, thanks yes, so much, should. Ryan. Good to talk to you. Same. Same to you. That was John Farina, Matt Fuller, and Representative Pramila Jayapal, and that's our show. Deconstruct is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief of The Intercept. If you'd like to support our... Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.